everybody, it's Dean Zierfoss speaking to you from Michigan Law School. Today I want to answer a question that we got that I thought was terrific. It was basically, what is a law school dean anyway, and do I care? So I want to talk about that. I'm going to broaden it a little bit to expand to law school administration generally, but let's get started with talking about the dean itself. Now the dean is the head of the law school, so the, the top person of the law school. Their principal duties are to serve as chief academic officer and chief financial officer. Chief academic officer means you know setting sort of the big direction of the curriculum, uh, retaining and recruiting new faculty. Chief financial officer would involve approving and, and uh, setting a budget uh, and fundraising, which means developing strong relationships with alumni and spending a lot of time doing that. That will be probably taking up the vast bulk of most deans' time, to be frank. Neither of those are student-centric, but they are still important to a student, and we'll talk about that. Before we go further, I should point out, too, that while the dean is the head of the law school, at any law school that is part of a university, which is the vast majority of law schools, fewer than 10 are standalone law schools, a dean is just is middle management in terms of the university. So the dean reports to the, a provost who reports to a president who reports to a board. Uh, and then, so that's kind of far down the pecking order. Now, that gets, brings me to another sort of duty or task of a typical dean, which is creating informing relationships across the university general, generally. Because at a given university, there will be some decisions that are always made at the university level. For example, recent example would be COVID vaccination policy. No law school is gonna make their own decision about that if they're part of a university. That will be the president who makes that decision. But a dean can have influence. You know, ha, ha, you know, if they have a good relationship with the provost and the president, that will be important. And if they have a good relationship with their fellow deans and other executive officers across the university, that will also be important. So even though they are middle management and, you know, don't control all the decisions, they can have an influence on them. Now, apart from those big chunks of time that a dean has to spend on those duties and tasks, a given dean's personality and predilections will determine what else they'd spend their time doing, so, and how much interaction, for example, they have with students. So I know of deans at some schools who continue to teach even while they are deans. You know, maybe just one small course a year, but they have their hand in a little bit in that. I know of one dean who memorized the names of every single student in the building, which, you know, honestly is kind of show-offy, I want to say, but what, but still impressive and, and, and shows sort of where that person's... Um, Priorities lie. But in general, even with the dean who memorizes the names, you're probably not going to have a ton of exposure to a dean. A dean usually will have, like, you know, um, some kind of student interaction, you know, at least once a semester, maybe a few times a semester, or you'll bump into them, but they won't be a big part of your routine experience at law school. Now, who will be? It's, the, it's all the people who report to the dean. So the dean will be setting sort of big directional questions um, in a law school, but then somebody has to carry them out. So let's, here's an example. So when our current dean came on board, 
he had an idea for something we call the Problem Solving Initiative, which is a series of classes where uh, Michigan Law School faculty and students collaborate with faculty and students in other uh, colleges and schools at the university to teach interdisciplinary courses on a whole range of topics. But uh, one example is, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles and how should insurance decisions be made about autonomous vehicles. And that involves engineers and business and who knows what, all kinds of people. And that was an idea the dean had, a great vision, and then the people who report to him, variety of people carried out making that a reality. So that's a great idea that he had, and that's important to students. But by the same token, if if the dean had had a, uh, a an idea that was less good, then you're going to really rely on that layer of administration that reports to him to maybe stop a bad idea in his tracks. Like, let's say the dean's idea had been all law school classes should now involve a significant component of, of math work or something. I personally would find that a bad idea, and I have no doubt that there were a lot of administrators here who would have said, mm, hold your horses on that one, and here are the reasons why that's not a good idea. So having a, a strong sort of lo- second layer of administration is incredibly important to an institution's health and to student well-being. So you want people who, who are familiar with students, who work well with students, who understand students' concerns, and that's, I think, what you should be looking for when you are you know, assessing a school. If you're visiting a school as an admitted student, you should be looking at that layer of people and really making decisions based on what you see there. And there's two separate categories for those people. One are, is, uh, are academics who then take on administrative duties, usually on a fairly short-term basis. So they might serve two to four or five years um, doing the administrative tasks that they have taken on. So you might, at the law school, we have an associate dean for academic programming, for example, or an associate dean for clinical uh, or experiential education. And those uh, positions deal mostly with faculty and curriculum. So they're, you know, they are they would be in charge of the problem-solving initiative, making that happen. Um, they would be in charge of figuring out what new clinics we should offer, who comes on board as a visitor or an adjunct, that kind of thing. There's also an associate dean who deals with uh, the intellectual life of the law school, specifically focusing on faculty. So if they are doing their job in an unsatisfactory way, they can be asked to step down for their administrative duties, but they're all tenured faculty so they don't get they wouldn't get fired entirely they have job security and they are just doing this as sort of professional service as i say but then the other category of administrator are people like i am which is to say all i do is administration my job is to run admissions to oversee financial aid or we have someone who is in charge of career planning an assistant dean for that we have an assistant dean for student life and the, those are particularly tend to be particularly student focused. So those would be the people you will interact with the most. And I should back up here and say, all these roles have different types of names at different schools and even within schools. So we have associate deans, we have assistant deans, we have chief something or other officer, um, deputy deans, vice deans. But they're all the basically the second layer of um, leadership at a given 
law school. You'll work very closely with those people and what you think of those people will make a difference in, to, your, to your life. So if you have a great head of career planning, that person will be hiring great people to do counseling for you. That person will be, uh, have great relationships with uh, uh, employers and, uh, in, and also do counseling of you and, be, and, and put on programming and in general make a big difference in your perception of your career opportunities and your actual career opportunities. Same with student life. So that person is someone who will know the students often very intimately. That might be the person you come to when you're in crisis and or just need like a lot of, you know, some kind of academic direction or whatever it is. That You will have a lot of interaction with the people in those roles. Honestly, um, now I do, I do tend to have a lot of interaction with students, uh, but that's, that's particular to me. I'm more like a dean in the sense that once you get to the law school, you may not see the dean of admissions that frequently. Um, as I say, I, I like to know the students, and that's really important to me and to my satisfaction and, frankly, my sense of doing the job well. But that's not universal in any way, so uh, you probably shouldn't be picking a law school based on what you feel about a given admissions dean. But you may want to do it based on some of these other uh, administrators that I'm talking about. But I would also caution this. Even if you... Uh, love a given person at a law school, people leave, so including deans, right? So deans get other jobs, become provosts somewhere or presidents somewhere. Uh, so, and the same is true for faculty. Just in general, when you're choosing an institution, the people are important in terms of what they reflect about um, the culture of an institution and, and who the people in charge think they should be picking for that institution. But they do come and go, and so... You know, you don't want to dis be disappointed by saying, that's the person I'm going to go to that law school for, and then you find out they got a different job when you get there. All right, that's all I have to say about that. Now let's talk a little bit about language. I was doing a couple uh, panels in the last week or so where I got the same question, variation of this question a couple times, so I want to address that. It's what, what kind of language, how, how elevated should the language be that I am using in my personal statement? This is a great question because I think there is a real temptation when you are writing this document to trot out the fanciest words you can think of, like all the $5 words, multisyllabic, blah, blah, blah. Not a great instinct. If these are words, I guess, that you use in day-to-day -day life, you actually speak out loud, you're very familiar with, totally great. Go ahead and use them. It's the right precise word and it is a reflection of your authentic approach to language. But don't go getting a thesaurus out and taking, you know, word A and trying to get to word D that is, you know, less in use and, you know, maybe is going to send the reader to a dictionary to understand what you're talking about. Don't, don't do that. Just, just use the language that is natural to you. By the same token, you can use conjunctions in your personal statement and you can, you don't have to keep it. It is a formal document, but you don't have to make it stiff and dry and unnatural. So use language that really reflects who you are. And I hope that is a useful tip because I think this is the time of year where a lot of you are probably working on your personal statements. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, please leave a comment below or send an email to law.jd.admissions at umich.edu and put vlog in the subject line. We'd love to get any 
feedback, anything you want me to address in future episodes, whatever strikes your fancy, please let us know. And thanks, as always, to my partner in crime behind the camera, Dustin Johnston, for making this all happen. And wherever you go, go blue. (laughs) 